listening to a download from the outdoorsstation.co.uk. Number 378. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Outdoor Station uh, with me, your host, Bob Cartwright. And uh, welcome to the first of a series of 12 Wild Camp podcasts. Um, if you haven't caught up with the previous podcast, we had a little bit of a review of where we were and what's been happening over the last 12 months or so, and realising that perhaps... Uh, the uh, podcasts that we've been producing and the videos were perhaps lacking a little bit of reality and getting out and keeping things simple. It's been a while since I've done a trip type support or sort of an audio diary and at the moment looking around the internet as you do, various blogs and forums and so on, wild camping seems to be the thing of the moment that people are talking about. A lot of people want to know what's it all about, what's it like, you know, are they brave enough to do it, um, the experience and so on. And this was all uh, came to fruition a couple of weeks back when Rose took a friend of hers wild camping who had never been before and it was on her bucket list. And so they headed off to the Black Mountain and uh, afterwards, we said, well, really, I should start to correlate uh, some of these trips, uh, perhaps do a series on wild camping over 12 months, one a month, uh, obviously going through the 12 months in all the different weathers, different experiences, different places, etc., etc. But the dilemma, when actual push came to shove... The dilemma was where to go and what to take, uh, especially on the early trips. So, as it happens, um, I put the uh, comments out on the, the good old Tinternet. And we've had quite a lot of responses because I did ask if anybody wanted to join me uh, in uh, any of these adventures. We're going to do a... A variety of them really, so bivy based, lightweight if possible, or lighter anyway, uh, tarps, hammocks, perhaps with uh, push bikes, perhaps with uh, our new pet dog, Pip, and um, anybody else that wanted to join us really. And I had quite a few uh, notes and feedback which I'll come on to later, but on the Outdoor Station Facebook page, uh, do join if you can. It's a private group, but just uh, make your application and we'll click the button. Um, Esther Saunders um, made a fairly good suggestion about keeping it simple. Because it's easy when you've got experience in doing this type of thing to take it for granted that everybody's got the basics and the basics covered. And uh, Esther made a good point about just go five miles from home and then ten miles from home next time and so on and so forth. So, I'm not sure if the wind's blowing the microphone now. So, um, let's turn my back to the wind. So, uh, yes, this uh, played on my mind a bit. And uh, 
I went through my various boxes of gear. Uh, naturally, being in the industry as well as being a bit of a gear geek, um, I've got a few bivy bags, uh, probably about a dozen or so. I've got more sleeping bags, would you believe? But anyway, in my routing around, I found my very first bivy bag, which was uh, an ex-army, I think, Gore-Tex one. I picked it up secondhand somewhere along the way, and that was my first bivy bag. So I thought, well, this is probably how people might start. Let's let's go and keep it simple. And then whilst routing through the terrible loft, which is full of sleeping bags, I found my first, uh, should we say, lightweight bag, um, which was um, a Vango 300, I think it was. A little down bag, which I've used a few times on adventure races and crunches down quite small. And so uh, I pulled that out as well. And taking, uh, taking Zester's comments in, uh, in heart, in mind, um, what I've decided to do was obviously, as we live in Malvern, and we're very, very lucky to have the Malvern Hills on our doorstep, literally, um, I thought, okay, let's, let's keep it simple. Let's go on the Malvern Hills. Now, that might seem a bit boring to the experienced people who are probably listening to this, but uh, hopefully you'll listen and follow it through with me and understand my logic, because what I'd like to do is really touch on a lot of the basics um, that one needs to consider when wild camping and um, try and help people over their fears, really. So let me describe what's been happening. So it's, it's about, what time is it? It's about half past nine. Uh, where's the light button? Uh, no, it's gone ten o'clock. It's just gone ten o'clock. I'm just heading up to Worcestershire Beacon. I've been on the hills for a couple of hours. Uh, starting over at uh, British Camp, which is halfway along, and uh, just gently walked along the peaks to where I am currently heading north. Um, The weather has been remarkable, really, uh, in the sense that the forecast tonight is it's going to be 10 degrees, which is ridiculous for for October, Uh, and apparently tomorrow it's going to be 20 degrees, so it'll be shorts and t-shirts again, it's ridiculous. So I was expecting much worse weather this month, but in actual fact it's been quite good. So uh, I've meandered my way, uh, as I say, along the ridge, and every time I dip down um, between peaks, uh, there's a waft of suburbia comes my way. People have got their wood stoves going now, so a waft of wood smoke, which is lovely. Um, There's the pub at Witch Cutting, there's a waft of beer that is extremely tempting but I've managed to resist and there are odd sounds of suburbia children having a misspent youth with occasional fireworks and bangers as it's uh, bonfire night, fireworks night in a, a few days time Just in keeping with my promise this of course is um, the 30th of October uh, 2014 so I'm just within my first month I don't know where the month's gone but here we are, we're out doing it so as I uh, climb the peak up the well-trodden path, and the peak isn't uh, excessive by any stretch of the imagination, it's only 425 metres, so it's not even, not even a mountain. Um, but as I head my way up to the, uh, to the beacon, the mist is in fact clinging to the top of the hills. Um, but it's not really cold. I've just got a uh, a base layer on and um, 
my uh, what have I got Montaigne um, halo jacket the stretch one and I'm roasting uh, which is most unexpected now one of the secrets of course of a successful wild bivy camp is not to arrive too hot and sticky where you're going to camp uh, because the amount of moisture that you'll be giving off uh, throughout your body will obviously create a massive amount of potential condensation inside the bag itself. Combine that with the fact that the night is going to be relatively still, we're into the first dilemma and the first technical issue of bivvying. And that is, it's always better and you get better results if the inside of the bivvy bag and the outside of the bivvy bag have quite a different atmosphere between them. In other words, to pump the moisture through, get the Gore-Tex working or the event or whichever material it is you're using, effectively, uh, it's better not to have very pleasant balmy nights. Otherwise, the, uh, the moisture can't go anywhere. So I'm expecting a little bit of a problem on that score. Um, and so we'll see how we'll handle that. Um, so let's just talk about the bivvy bag for a first. As I say, it's a, bought it from an army surplus shop. Um, as I say, I understood it to be Gore-Tex. Uh, it's the mummy style with a, the draw cord hood. Um, and I thought I'd, that would work quite well, really, considering where I am, because uh, it enables me to pull the hood up round my shoulders and prevent any drafts down my neck. Um, I've recently had a trip to the chiropractors and they've been working on my back and told me not to get it cold. So um, that would make sense for me to do that if I could. Ah, I see the lights of Malvernshire are dwindling away through the mist now. I've got Malvern over to my left and I've got, sorry, Malvern over to my right and Herefordshire and the dark side that goes to Wales over on my left. Uh, and uh, the view from up here normally is sensational but it's now getting really, really spooky and misty. And although I'm not using a head torch, I'm trying to get my night sight, night vision clued in I can probably see about ooh, say five meters with any sort of clarity to make the shapes out after that it's just a an eerie mist very Sherlock Holmes <laughs> oops where I've put my feet as well well the paths are fairly well trodden so I'm not expecting to fall flat on my face which is uh, suitably good not embarrassing uh, what else have I brought with me well I haven't brought anything really. Um, I planned, as I said, to keep this simple and the, the reason for that is that the first time that uh, I did bivvying was probably very similar to this. Um, I wasn't necessarily thinking of it being a bivvy in a wild camp, more as a way of watching the sunrise on, uh, on midsummer, midsummer's night. And so using the equipment I've mentioned, a bunch of us years ago camped out on the hills uh, to do that and just had a few hours sleep between sunset and sunrise and it was beautiful it was a magical time so hence the reason I thought I'll use the same equipment again and uh, see how we get on really see if it still works after all those years in the loft 
well, as you can probably hear now the wind is picking up as I'm starting to get a bit more exposed I guess the problem I've got in some respects is familiarity I'm fairly familiar with the hills uh, having lived here for 25 30 odd years and so consequently uh, all the times I've you know whoops over the top <laughs> it says familiar and falling down a hole and um, number of times I've been over the top you've always thought oh that would be a nice little space to hunker down if you had to and of course I've been up here in all types of weathers snow as well as uh, glorious sunny days um, so part of me is tempted to to uh, have a look at the beacon now anybody that's been to the Worcestershire beacon or, as I say it's only 400 odd metres high uh, will know that it there's a lot of exposed rock and exposed rock if there's one thing it is and that is uh, very cold uh, as well as being quite lumpy and painful on the old back which wouldn't keep my chiropractor very happy uh, there used to be a cafe at the top of the hills many many years ago and uh, certainly when I was a youth it was there however one night some misspent youths got it in their head that it would make a very good bonfire and sadly it's never been reinstated but possibly it's a good thing stop the hills being too commercialised from that point of view um, so I'm thinking either North Hill uh, or the Beacon now North Hill is a, about uh, I don't know half a mile possibly a mile further on from the from the Beacon um, it's more of a rounded tump than there's any sort of distinct shape um, and currently there's a lot of grazing going on on the hills and the people concerned have fenced off the uh, uh, animals in certain areas of course uh, it being dark and misty I'm not too sure where that is not that I expect to be trampled on by rampant animals more a case of I don't particularly want to lie down in, ra in animal doo-doo um, or be troubled by any animals snuffling wondering what this big green worm is so uh, uh, that's uh, something to take into account um, so that's my, my dilemma and as I say it's gone 10 o'clock now so hopefully in the next hour I'll find myself a spot uh, which I think is acceptable I'll obviously if I can take some photographs to uh, show people exactly what was involved uh, the rest of the gear that I've got in the pack uh, is I've just got a little 30 litre Innovate pack which is a lovely pack uh, which I've had for a few years and uh, what have I got? I've got a sleeping bag I've got the bivy bag obviously I've got a uh, short Prolite 3 um, I've got an inflatable sit mat uh, I've got some insulation should I need it which I don't think I will and obviously I've got a waterproof trousers and bits like that um, flask of tea a uh, couple of a uh, couple of bars head torch uh, podcast equipment and that is about that um, so there's no brew kit there's no food uh, I'm co not cooking any food um, 
I've uh, obviously used the facilities down which cutting there's some toilets there so I use the facilities there so I'm not anticipating needing to use uh, the landscape in any way from that point of view but I've got my toilet trowel with me in case there's a sudden emergency got to think about these things and that is pretty well it I've got no compass no map I know exactly where I am as I say I've been walking these hills for 30 odd years and uh, we're on the last little stretch up to the beacon right now so I'm not too sure if the wind is going to make it impossible to hear me so I'll do my best to shield the microphone and, and certainly the wind's just picked up in this last few meters as you can hear with my poles oh yeah I've got a pair of walking poles some of the lecky uh, lecky vario carbon poles um, I always find certainly at night walking poles are absolutely vital uh, I've had a few stumbles and caught myself a couple of times when I wasn't using poles and certainly um, I found them as useful tonight as I've uh, found anytime it's always nice just to double check what you're heading into um, as I say keeping things simple just so it's just a merino wool base layer uh, jacket pair of terra pants uh, I've got some innovate uh, trail shoes um, and that's about it really so that's my introduction whoops just hit the rocky patch that's my introduction I'm going to stop now as I just get to the top itself in fact no I'll let you join me for that bit down in, in town there's just the faintest halo glow of lights through the mist nothing on the Herefordshire side that's as dark as anything and so it looks like we've got the right sort of conditions really and that is uh, not unpleasantly cold but a fair breeze which is fairly chilly that will take away the moisture off the surface of the bivvy bag so all we have to do now is now that we where are we hang on a second there's a stone path here just here right and there is the obelisk just looming out of the mist uh, now I'm just going to make my way across some very undulating rocky path where it's all been exposed by the weather over the years if you're not careful you can twist an ankle or worse here so I expect it to get very windy any second now go one whoa yep a bit breezy one obelisk marble with a uh, topographic map at the top that shows you all the beautiful view around except I can't see more than five meters okay let's just head back down Oops. where we came get back onto that path poles are absolutely vital now and 
I think I'm going to wander, as I indicated earlier on, down to uh, North Hill and just see where I'm in the path. There's the path. Um, yeah, I'm going to wander down to North Hill now and just see if the weather's a little more balanced down there. It's obviously very exposed, very cold. Well, not very cold, but it's certainly a lot colder than I am currently. Uh, wind's definitely coming from the uh, west uh, to about 10 miles an hour. And as I say, the weather forecast tonight is mild, 10 degrees, obviously down um, at, at lower levels, so probably half that up here. Uh, so I need to find myself a nice little spot to, uh, to bed down for the night. So when I do so, I shall switch you back on and uh, we'll continue. As you can hear, there was a stiff breeze at the top, so please forgive some of the quality of the recording throughout this podcast. However, I think it prudent and responsible to stop for a moment uh, to discuss the legality of what I was doing that particular night and wild camping in general. Simply put, wild camping is illegal in the UK, except for two areas. In Scotland, where under the Land Reform Act of 2003, it is permissible with certain restrictions. This includes beyond the curtilage of houses and gardens, out of the sight of roads, away from crops and so on. The other place is Dartmoor, where the same kind of restrictions apply. Camping for one or two nights on open land on Dartmoor is perfectly acceptable, provided you choose your spot sensibly and don't pitch your tent on farmland or moorland enclosed by walls, on floodplains or on archaeological sites. Lightweight camping equipment should be used and large family frame tents should not be used. There's plenty of information on the internet relating to both, and in particular a map uh, for Dartmoor showing the appropriate areas where you can and can't camp. However, they all share the same request that you are responsible for your own actions and to respect the interest of others, and more importantly, to care for the environment. On the Malvern Hills area, there's actually a bylaw stating no camping. So I was on very thin legal ice doing this trip. Well, was I camping or was I just waiting for sunrise in a bivvy bag? However, the most important rule number one is to respect your surroundings and leave no trace. So please check out the Outdoor Station website related to this podcast and you'll see images of where I stayed and what kind of impact I made. Now this should be a priority for all wild campers and it does break my heart when people abuse their surroundings. You see so much damage in images posted willingly across the net on Facebook and on social media all falling under the guise of wild camping. So much so and so much damage has been caused since in Scotland since 2003 there's now a series of bans coming in uh, especially around Loch Lomond where the abuse has taken place. If you just google it you'll see the effect that it's had and just what a few irresponsible people can do to such an area of beauty. So please folks think about minimum impact wherever you go because the damage or marks that you leave behind will affect the future of people who want to follow in your footsteps and do wild camping responsibly. So next time you head out to do some wild camping, just consider, do you really need to have a big open campfire? Do you really need to have large tents and to virtually export some of the luxuries from home? Wild camping should be subtle, it should be low impact, and if at all possible, it should be virtually invisible.
I've made my way to uh, the top of North Hill now and I've got my back to the wind which uh, I guess you can probably hear. Uh, the wind seems to have changed slightly, sadly it was coming from uh, the west and now it's swung around a bit and it's coming from the south so that means it's coming along the ridge of the, of the hills. There's two rules basically to bivvying certainly and to wild camping. The first rule is the major rule which is obviously leave no trace under any circumstances. Uh, no fire marks, no damaged foliage if you can, etc, etc. Uh, obviously unless emergencies dictate. Uh, and the second one is if we're at all possible wake up with a view. And that is probably uh, the two strongest uh, rules really uh, are on a trip like this. Now even though it's night time and I'm familiar it's surprising how quickly that uh, familiar changes into unsure. Uh, as I've been wandering around. When I put the head torch on, it was just shining straight into a fog and uh, I couldn't see more than, a, well, a foot. It was it was terrible, so I had to take the torch off my head and hold it down where my poles were so I could just light up the uh, the rocky, slippy sections uh, that I sort of travelled over. So this is a bit disappointing because I was really looking forward to, to staying on here, but having said that, there's a lovely little gully just down from North Hill uh, as you start to head back towards the beacon uh, and it's uh, it's lovely and soft underfoot uh, firm ground but but soft and I'm sure I can find a little corner to duck out of the main part of the wind there uh, and still have a reasonable view in the morning it's only about 50 meters from where I am uh, height wise so I'm just going to head back up over the top and down to this gully and have a scout around and see if I can find somewhere um, thankfully the um, the fencing of the the animals the sheep and the cattle at um, the conservators have been doing and farmer um, using their facilities up here uh, seems to have moved on. Um, last time I came up here this the North Hill was was wired off. Uh, not that I would stop you getting to it, it was just obviously that's where the animals were uh, but there's no sign of them so that's good. So I'm gonna head down to my gully and um, pick up again when we get down there. Right, what time is it now? It is uh, 11 o'clock on the nail I've taken a couple of pictures just to sort of show the gear, which is only a handful of bags. Uh, but I've managed to come down to that gully I mentioned and find a spot which is um, just out of the wind. Uh, as in, um, I'm ducked down behind a gorse bush basically uh, because the wind is gusting as it does. I've got the bivvy bag unrolled, I've got the sleeping mat um, pumped up. Uh, I am just getting the sleeping bag unpacked. Um, I might have to forego the um, might have to forego the view tomorrow morning slightly. Uh, just out of practicality as I'm gonna keep wandering all around all, all night otherwise looking for the perfect spot uh, as it's not raining although rain is promised at some stage um, I just want to uh, get myself sorted while I, I can um, I aim to uh, keep my clothes on including my jacket at the moment uh, as I say you don't want to arrive and get into a bivvy too hot and sticky and clammy um, but at the same time you don't want to be freezing cold. Now, one thing I have learned from experience 
is always take a plastic bag, would you believe, for your shoes or boots. I once had an experience when I was on top of the um, Monalia in Scotland. I took my boots off and put all my clothes on and got into my bivvy bag for a, an emergency camp because I wasn't too sure where I was so I had to bed down and my boots froze to the ground and obviously trapping air by putting them in the plastic bag will prevent that but uh, it also helps that if it rains getting your footwear wet is annoying but uh, the worst is if you've trodden into some something in the darkness and um, you don't want to be obviously enjoying that all night long so clothes on into the sleeping bag which is inside the bivy bag which is on top of the mat as you can hear the wind is gusting which is just about right really for where I am and what I've got to do is pull the layers underneath me so I've got I'm down the bottom of the bag and everything else is up at shoulder height right so what am I doing with the rest of the stuff okay everything else is going to be bagged away just in case for some reason the weather obviously is dramatic during the night and I have to make a run for it um, so I'm going to use my sleep my uh, rucksack as a pillow put it under my head my shoes are kept in a plastic bag will be beside me anything else that I take off or whatever during the night will be tucked in between the sleeping bag and the bivy bag uh, to one side um, and hopefully uh, during the night what I'll be doing is just checking the the dampness on the inside of the bivy bag every now and again with my hands to make sure um, I haven't uh, uh, got a build up of condensation so there's a bit of a fine juggling act when you're actually bivying in the sense that obviously you want to get out of the weather and keep as warm as you practically can but at the same time you don't want to generate moisture inside your bag um, but for the um, breathability to work you need to have a, a good breeze if possible across the bag without it obviously making your trip miserable and already I'm on a slope slightly and already I've slipped down the mat and slipped down the bivy bag anyway it is uh, five past eleven and it's time for bed buys I think um, I think it's going to rain during the night the forecast was uh, for a light rain and then the mist probably lifting tomorrow morning sunrise is about 6.30 hopefully I'll uh, well I'm bound to be awake by then and uh, having a cup of tea and if at all possible take a few pictures and perhaps do a bit more if anything exciting happens during the night I shall wake up the machine and talk to it let's hope I sleep well I'll give you a report in the morning that's about it I'm going to go to bed night night everyone While I'm having a doze there and settling down, um, I just thought I'd go through a few of the emails that I've received. Um, as I said on the previous episode, we're hitting our 10th anniversary next year uh, of doing the podcasts as well as uh, in the shop at Backpacking Light. And I've been uh, asking people if they have any suggestions or ideas or if they'd like to join me wild camping, especially if they haven't done it before. And I've had a series of emails come through, um, and I'd just like to read a few of them and some of the comments, if I may. Uh, the first is uh, Steve Riley. First of all, uh, congratulations on your 10th anniversary. I've been listening to your podcast since episode one. Wow, that's fantastic, Steve. Thanks. 
and it inspired me to convince my wife to walk Wainwright's coast to coast for our honeymoon in 2008. It was brilliant. Well, that's great. That's uh, nice to hear that uh, you've been listening for that long, and thank you so much for having that much patience. Another one is from Rich, a comment that he's uh, put on the Outdoor Station website. Um, Hi, Bob and Rhodes. Great episode, so many things to say. Great job taking a newbie wild camping, especially a lady. I've managed to inspire my wife and eldest daughter so far. Two more daughters to go. Our three sons all keen now, and they are now tarp bivy proponent, ages of 24, 14 and 12. Fantastic. You've been busy, haven't you, all those kids? Uh, Well, I'm sure there's plenty of bivy bags in that household. Um, Another one from Julia Freeman. Uh, Bob, would you like to join me for a wild camping trip down here in either Kent or Sussex? I'm based in Canterbury and that puts me not far from the North Downs or South Downs or Green Sands Way as well as others. I'm a cyclist as well and I've just converted my Brompton for touring use, so maybe that would be of interest. That sounds fantastic, Julia. Thanks for that. You're on my list definitely to follow that through. So hopefully sometime next year we'll be joining Julia for a Brompton-based wild camping trip. And finally, uh, one from David Longley. Uh, First to say that I'm super excited about the upcoming wild camping series. Second, I'd like to make some suggestions. How about some of the historical sites in your area, castles and such? I'd love to join you. I'd love it. Unfortunately, I can't afford the plane ticket. So another suggestion. Why not bring the Wild Camp series to America? I'd love to show you our beloved Appalachians. The Foothills Trail is a mere two hours from my house, and another hour would bring us to the infamous and magical AT. So what do you say, Bob? Time for a trip to the States? Oh, I wish, I wish. Anyway, back to a windy night on top of the Malvern Hills. Thanks for your emails, folks. Keep them coming. I'm oh, just checking my watch and it's 2.30am. And as you can probably hear, when the wind has dropped quite significantly. I'll check the inside of the, the bivy when I woke up a second ago. And uh, thankfully it's nice and dry. I've forgotten what a good bivy bag this was, actually. It's really um, great. It's very fond to uh, have your first piece of exciting equipment. I'm still wearing everything and, and so on. I did notice, actually, when uh, I switched off last time, I was sort of bed down. The, uh, my legs and feet were really, really warm. Um, as I say, the clothing was dry and I just got straight into a sleeping bag. But it's been very difficult. It's, I mean, in fact, it's what's made it difficult is how mild it is. So, um, although I'm still wearing everything, the sleeping bag's actually unclipped and it's only the bottom part of my legs that's like, inside the sleeping bag. Everything else is just um, trying to, to vent. One of the important things, as I said at the very beginning is not to get into the bag too hot and bothered otherwise you start to swelter too quickly I think basically it's just too mild and my, my feet are warm Ooh. excuse me anyway all quiet no disturbances by animals or anything else um, so I'm just sleeping on and off fitfully as you do in circumstances like this Otherwise, quite comfortable, really. Anyway, I've got to close my eyes and get back to it.
I've just checked the uh, watch, the time, and it's now 6.30. And uh, the uh, sky has, is still thick with, uh, well, obviously the grey mist. But there's a bit more light going on behind it. And um, I'm sure I would see a lovely dawn <laughs> if it wasn't in a cloud. Um, the visibility is uh, now, as daylight starts to come through, probably, um, I don't know, 50 metres, something like that. But it's a bit disappointing that I failed on rule two of waking up with a decent view. Um, having said that, obviously um, these things are potluck sometimes. Uh, managed to have a fairly good night's sleep, actually. Only work really a couple of times, I suppose. Um, and um, reminded, really, just how simply simple this, this particular bivy bag is, this basic mummy-shaped army one, but actually uh, how very functional and quite comfortable it is because it's a bit more roomy um, obviously because it's, uh, it's just, it's normal audience have got weapons and things inside it so it's a bit more roomy than the um, the modern day um, technical bivy bags and I really don't know if there'd be much difference really between um, uh, it's sort of an up to date one and, and this one one of the key differences about um, uh, mummy shaped bivy bags um, generally tends to be that um, they don't have a waterproof base so they have a breathable base uh, so consequently you tend to put your uh, insulation mat on the outside of the bag uh, when it's a, a non-breathable waterproof base um, the advice is to put the sleeping mat inside the bad bag um, having said all that I'd, I could have put it inside the bag but to be honest I'm now sitting up and that's the main thing the, the main issue about having uh, sleeping mats inside bags is that once they're there they make it uh, fairly rigid so when you try and sit up you're actually fighting against the actual mat that you're lying on um, so I'm able to sit up now and um, have a look at the the view uh, and take in this glorious weather um, and, and do what I need to do with the mat nicely uh, beneath me and still insulating me from the ground as I said the um, whole purpose of the exercise uh, with wild camping and certainly with bivy bag and such like is to leave no trace and the only thing I've done really is flatten the, the grass behind this gorse bush which I don't think anybody's going to be noticing for, for a while because I'm about 20-30 uh, uh, metres away from the main path uh, so it'll just be the sheep that notice maybe they'll snuggle in afterwards uh, on the warm spot certainly Ronald Turnbull uh, the guy who wrote the book of the bivy has got a lot to answer for for the uh, enjoyment fun thrill and experience of um, camping like this uh, I've uh, tried bivying before and then I read his book and uh, certainly meeting Ronald he's a very interesting character and certainly if you ever get to read the book of the bivy it's a it's a fascinating read and very amusing and extremely tongue-in-cheek uh, but there's a lot of little practical tips in there chucked in there as well uh, I mean for example one of Ronald's tips is he he doesn't bother with uh, a cooker and such like he will just take some custard creams with him or, or a pork pie um, rather than have any cooking gear uh, which does make a lot of sense in some respects and he tends to use the facilities uh, when he comes across them which is uh, quite useful I guess so uh, as light really starts to appear make things a little bit more less ghost-like uh, over the next 10 or 15 minutes uh, certainly I know the sun's definitely up at 7 o'clock because it was yesterday morning I will start to make my way uh, along the hills and back to my car in a, a few hours time and head home for a brew and a nice breakfast I think
in actual fact that reminds me I've got a flask of tea in here the bar. So what have we learned? Well, um, I think one thing I've uh, forgotten, or which would have been useful, is um, a rain cover or a um, roll top sack that I could have put the rucksack into. Not because it rained, but because um, it's obviously been put on wet ground. And um, being on wet ground um, means that the sack itself has got a bit wet where it sits against my back uh, and that would have, well, obviously it's just not very pleasant sticking a wet sack on your back sometimes uh, after these occasions. So um, that would have been useful. Um, one of the items I didn't mention which I'm, I am wearing and I love is my possum hat. Um, a hat made from possum fur. Gosh, it's warm. Um, I'm trying to remember where I got it from. I think it was chocolate fish. Oh, it's lovely. It's, it started off with um, uh, oh, that's nice. Um, fairly tightish fit, I suppose. But and it, you know, it's got a loose knit to it, I guess. But as soon as I put it on, it's so warm. I'd say probably it's even warmer than fleece. And so, of course, to keep yourself warm in any sleeping bag or bivvy bag, it's good to um, keep your head warm. Um, and uh, that helps the rest of the body. So that's been good. But, you know, as a, as a little setup, I could quite happily go out in, in this without spending any more money. Uh, quite happily. So that's, as I say, just an old military sli uh, bivvy bag. A, what, two, three season down bag I've got, I suppose. It's an old one. Probably two season, really. I'm wearing all my clothes in it. It's obviously um, a fairly balmy night uh, as the weather forecast was 10 degrees last night. Up here it was probably, I'd say, 5, 6 degrees, something like that. Uh, had it got any colder, I would have put my insulation layer on. But I'm still just wearing a uh, base layer, marina wool base layer. Again, chocolate fish. And my montane jacket. And I'm sitting here supping my tea, staring out at mist and gorse. Which is pretty boring, really. So I'm going to enjoy my cup of tea and my uh, topic. And uh, get out in a second. And put my shoes on, take a few photographs and head back. I managed to manage the night without having to get out to go, for a, go to the loo. Which is obviously beneficial in the sense that you lose all the heat that you've uh, gathered inside the bag. If you have to do that. So I didn't um, didn't drink very much uh, before I went to sleep. Anyway, I hope all that has been some use to, to you and of interest and not too much of a waffle. If you're interested in wild camping and would like to join me, then please drop me a line um, either on info at theoutdoorstation.co.uk or use the Facebook page, join us on the Facebook page uh, or make some suggestions. I've had a few suggestions already and uh, that's been really really good so it'd be nice to see if anybody else is interested in trying it for the first time and me recording their experience and see what they think uh, but this is the uh, the first one and uh, we'll change some of the uh, bivy equipment on the next one 
Uh, we'll see how the weather goes. Maybe use a tarp if we have to. And uh, see how the journey and adventure unfolds of wild camping in a bivvy bag. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To hear more from our extensive free library, please visit the website at theoutdoorstation.co.uk. You can now follow The Outdoor Station on Facebook, where we chat about each programme we produce, answer questions and discuss future productions. Why not join us there? This podcast is produced and hosted by theoutdoorstation.co.uk.